All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to James chapter number one. James chapter number one. And I know you probably already had a bookmark in Psalms and uh, you probably already had your Bible open up there. We, uh, we finished the first book of In a New Direction and uh, we will go back to the Psalms and we will continue. But I thought let's just take a little uh, diversion. Uh, we've been in the book of Psalms for one year as well and uh, 42 messages out of the book of Psalms. 41 messages, uh, one per chapter we've gone through, and uh, uh, it's been good, and I've enjoyed it. There's no doubt about it, but, uh, and we will go back, and we'll pick back up at chapter 42 uh, later on, but uh, I thought, let's go through the book of James and uh, just take a little bit of a different uh, direction for a little bit, perhaps a break, and, and look at some other uh, content, and tonight I want to preach on growth through grief, growth through Grief. That's kind of hard to say. I should have picked a better title. Um, but anyway, titles are not, I'm not really that great at titles. Sometimes I uh, don't even have a title. But nonetheless, James chapter 1, and uh, let's start in verse number 1. The Bible says this James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him that let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Father, we thank you for uh, your word that we can study. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And God, I pray that you'd give us an understanding mind and heart of your word. And God, I pray that you would encourage us and help us as we uh, see, Father, the point of growing through grief and through hardship and through troubles. And God, will thank you for that. And God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we think of the idea of growing through grief, um, some of the godliest people uh, have experienced some of the greatest hardships in life. And uh, it's in those fires that their faith has been purified to pure gold. Uh, there's no doubt about that. One of them that we could think of, we could name immediately from the Bible, uh, would be Job. And all the trials that he went through and struggles that he went through. And, and he is the one that said, hey, uh, I know that I'll come forth as gold. Basically is kind of what he said. I'm paraphrasing that verse. And, uh, and we'll see that a little bit later. But uh, we, sometimes we look at our trials and we're like, man, I do not want to go through these trials. I do not want to go through these problems. And let me just say this, that's normal. If you want to go through problems and you want to go through hardships, then I mean, we, we need to talk on another level because uh, that's just not normal. All right? Most people don't want to endure hardships and don't want to endure troubles and things like that. Uh, but the reality of the matter is we do grow through those trials and through those hardships that we go through. 
Um, and so as we look at the book of James, uh, we're going to talk about that at least for the first part uh, of this chapter. Um, really, the book of James deals a lot with faith. Let me give you the introduction of the book of James, because really in verse number one, he gives a very brief introduction, and he says, James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. Now we know obviously that James is the author of the book. He introduces himself uh, as the author. But that's somewhat ambiguous because there are several, uh, there's at least three James in the Bible that are prominent. Uh, one, James the brother of Jesus. One, James the disciple uh, that is not the same as James the brother of Jesus because his dad uh, was, um, I have it written down here, uh, Zebedee. And then there's another one, James the son of Alphaeus. Uh, and so at least three of them. And it's somewhat confusing as you read through the Bible trying to decipher which one is which, to be honest with you. And, uh, and I, was, I was researching a lot about the different fellas. And, uh, and, and uh, most people generally hold that the book of James was written by uh, James, the brother of Jesus. And, uh, and that's what the majority of the authors uh, that I, I researched did come up with. And so I just found that interesting. I'll just give it to you. Uh, that, that's, that's what most people fall in line with. Uh, I wouldn't have any reason to disagree with them either. Um, but I'm just telling you, it's, it's, doesn't, it's not real clear. Uh, but we notice this. So James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will say this, this was stated several times in several of the things I looked at, is that if this is James, the brother of Jesus, you can see automatically the amount of humility because he does not introduce him as, hey, I was Jesus' half-brother. And I grew up with him, and I know this guy. I mean, he didn't stake any claim to fame. He, didn't, he was not interested, notice this, in promoting himself whatsoever. Uh, if he does promote himself, he promotes himself as a servant of God and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, that's how we ought to promote ourselves, as, as the people of God. And so we see James uh, promotes himself in that way. But notice who he's writing to. He says this, to the uh, 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Most of the uh, Pauline epistles that we've studied uh, are written uh, to churches. We went through the book of Corinthians and it was to the churches that were there in Corinth and we went through the book of Romans and, and, uh, and we talked about the people that that was written to and, and many of them. However, the book of James is considered one of the general epistles. What that means is uh, there is no specific church or group of people, uh, or, or let me re-say that, there's no specific place that it was sent to. It was written as an open public letter to all of the Jews that were scattered abroad. Let me rephrase that, to all of the saved Jews that were scattered abroad. That is his audience. That is his intended target. And that who is who he is writing to. And so as we go through the book of James, I believe that's going to be important to understand and realize, hey, he's, he's dealing with a Jewish mindset as opposed to a Gentile mindset. And that will help us understand a few things because uh, there's no doubt the Jews have a very religious background. And uh, they think about things a little different than we would. 
But let me say this as well. That does not mean the book of James does not apply to us as Gentile believers. Because it is very much so applicable to our lives. Matter of fact, the preacher just preached on Sunday about this. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so we as Gentile people certainly have a lot that we can learn from the book of James. Uh, that's why God included it in the Bible. And the book of James has been called the many Proverbs of the New Testament. It is a book of practical wisdom written to help Christians mature in their faith. And you'll see that theme constantly be brought, being brought up throughout the book of James. And so uh, we're going to go through the book of James and, uh, and look at it. And uh, tonight we're going to see the growth through grief. Notice there in verse number two, verse number one is really all his introduction. Verse number two, I want you to notice this. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. I put down for that, uh, evaluate, uh, consider uh, the trials and troubles that you will go through. Um, listen, they're not joy because they are a trial, uh, but joy because what it means in your life. Uh, and so we have to see that. We have to notice that. Notice this too because uh, some people are, are confused sometimes by this, but temptation here is used as the idea of testing. And you say, well, where do you get that from? We'll look at verse number three. And he clarifies, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So he's not talking about temptation as in being tempted to sin. He covers that a little bit further down as well. He says that the Lord doesn't tempt people to sin. And, uh, and so understand, this is not a temptation uh, to sin or a temptation to do wrong, but rather a temptation as a trial or a hardship that we would go through. Now, once you notice this in verse number two, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Now, once you note this, the certainty of trials, the certainty of trials. You remember he's writing to the, uh, to the Jews that were scattered abroad. Listen, why were they scattered abroad? Because by and large they were persecuted. By and large their nation had been taken over and they were uh, living in, a, in another country and, and so it wasn't comfortable. They were not always favorable to the Jews that were there. And so as a result, many of them were scattered abroad. And so he's telling them, hey, while you're being persecuted and in all the trials that you've gone through, understand this, that you can count it a joy for the diverse temptations. And he's got their attention now. They're like, what on earth is he talking about? I mean, how can we enjoy uh, the, the difficulties? How can we enjoy being persecuted? How can we enjoy being scattered abroad and being uh, taken away from our homeland and not being able to live where we, we used to live and, and do all the things that we used to do? But understand this, that, uh, that, that trials are certain. And these people that he was writing to had already experienced them. They already knew what trials were. They were already going through hardships. Listen, Jesus also warned us about hardships. He said in John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in uh, me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
lot of people think, man, I'm going I'm to get saved and man, things are going to go great. Boy, there's nothing farther from the truth. It might go great for a while. I can promise you this. When you get saved, your life will change for the better. There's no doubt about that. But it does not mean that you will not have troubles and tribulations. I remember when I went on deputation to raise support and we started out and, and I thought, man, this, you know, this is going to go good. And, and, uh, and it wasn't very long into the deputation process that we hit hiccup after hiccup after road bump after roadblock after road closure uh, that the Lord said, hey, I want you to serve, uh, continue, keep going. Sometimes we hit hardships in our life and we say, well, I, I guess that wasn't the Lord's will. No, that's not always the case. We will go through hardships. We will go through hard times. Be Jesus even warned us about that. Paul warned Timothy of that. He said, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, not everything that we are going to do uh, for the cause of Christ is going to be easy. Not everything in the Christian life is going to be smooth sailing and, and simple to get done. There's going to be hardships. And we ought not deceive ourselves thinking, well, uh, if there's a hardship, then it must not be of God. That's not always true. Uh, may I remind you of Paul's life? And I know he didn't write this letter, but I can tell you this. Uh, Paul said uh, that he had been shipwrecked, that he had been uh, stoned, that he had been left for dead and, and, and prisoned and all of these other hardships. What if Paul would have said, well, I guess, you know, that's just not the will of the Lord. I guess I'm not going to do it. No, he didn't do that. He said, hey, I'm, I'm serving God. And we will have hardships. Don't think that because you're saved, you will never have a problem. Uh, that's not true. Don't think that because you attend church, your family will not have difficulties. That's just simply not true. You will have difficulties. And he tells you, he says, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Don't think that because we as a church preach the word of God and stand for right, that all will go well for our church. I can assure you that uh, it doesn't always go smoothly. It doesn't always go well. Uh, you will find problems. You will find difficulties along the road. That's just part of life. That's part of ministry. And that is what James is telling us, the certainty of the trials. Not just the certainty of them, but notice this, because he says this, diverse temptations. Don't read it divers, all right? You don't have to dive in the sea to find them. Uh, that's diverse, which means uh, varied. There's, there's multiple types of, of temptations or trials or hardships. Uh, one person may lose their job. Another person uh, may get sick. One person may do, this might happen. And so there's multiple ways that we can go through hardships or trials in our life. They are not all the same. There's, there's many ways that we can hardships have hardships. Not just that, but notice this, because he says this, uh, diverse temptations, that it's plural, not just one. You think, man, I, I got through my problem. I guess I'm, I'm good for the rest of my, my life. No, you may have another problem. You may have a problem on top of a problem. You may have problems on top of your problems. Go back and read the book of Job. I mean, I, I mean, things started happening in his life right away. You talk about hardship and you talk about difficulty that came into his life. And what did he do wrong? He didn't do anything wrong. The Bible's very clear about that. 
And so what I'm saying is we will have trials. There's certainty of those trials. But notice this in verse number two, because he says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. The celebration of trials. Now, I'm not going to tell you to celebrate because uh, of the, the hardship that you are going through, but rather celebrate not because of the hardship, but because of what it will bring about in your life. What I mean by that, if you've been through struggles and you've been through trials, you know what I'm talking about. It draws you closer to God. Not only that, uh, you can look back, you ought to be able to look back in your life and say, you know what, I went through this hardship in my life, and I remember it was a difficulty, and maybe to others, they're like, man, that's not very big, but, but to you, it was big, but you look back, and you know what, you, to you, it was real, to you, you prayed, to you, you drew closer to God, and, and God heard your prayers, and God answered your prayers, and you got out the other side, and you said, man, God really blessed and took care of me. And, and what that does is it grows your faith for the next trial that you're going to go through. And maybe it'll be a little bit bigger. Maybe it'll be a little bit larger. Maybe it'll be a little bit longer. Uh, but nonetheless, you'll come out the other side and you say, man, God took care of me there. And you know what? You can run around and encourage other people who maybe are in your mind. You say, man, that's not a very big trial. But to that person, it is a big trial. And you can encourage them that God will strengthen them and God will help them because you've been down that path and you've watched God provide in your life. And so we don't celebrate trials and tribulations because of the trials and because of the tribulations, but rather because they help us to grow and, uh, and, and we're learning and drawing closer to God. So we evaluate the trials. We say, you know what? This is going to teach me something. God's going to help me through these things. And God's going to draw me closer. And so we evaluate. Look at verse number three. He says, he says in verse number two, count it all joy. That we ought to evaluate it and say, hey, this is going to be a good thing. In verse number three, he says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Not only are we to evaluate the temptation, the trial, the hardship, but also we're to educate. He says, know this. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. It takes faith to go through a problem and realize God is trying to teach us something uh, and, and that thing is trying our faith. Let me help you understand this, that God is not against you. Sometimes, boy, we go through a trial and we're like, man, God is just against me. Now listen, if you're not living right, you ought to evaluate your life and say, God, is there something I'm doing wrong? Do I need to fix something? Maybe there is something. Maybe he is trying to get your attention. Maybe you need to get something straightened out in your life. But, but if you're saying, man, I, I know I'm living right, and to the best of my knowledge, everything's good between me and God, and, and he's not convicting me of anything. Hey, listen, maybe he's just trying to, uh, to, to, to teach you something to grow in your faith. And understand this, he's not against you. Sometimes we, we think, well, God's just against everything that I do. No, there's just hardships in life. There are. 
And, and we're going to have those. And, uh, and sometimes we'll, we'll get the mindset that nothing ever goes right and, and that uh, perhaps God is not in it. And, and listen, that's not always true. Uh, God does allow us to go through hardships. God does allow us to go through difficulties. God does allow us to go through sickness. Consider these verses. Uh, trials are very valuable. The Bible says this in 1 Peter, in verse number, uh, chapter number 1 and verse number 7. You can flip over there real quick. It's at the uh, end of the book of James. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 7. Look at what he says. 1 Peter 1, 7. He says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise, unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold. Hey, listen, your faith is far more valuable than any earthly commodity. You, you cannot put a price on faith. If I were, if I had gold up here, and uh, I don't, uh, I, I don't have gold. Uh, but if I had gold up here, um, and, and I said, man, you know, Sunday we're giving away gold, and, and we got gold bars stacked up here. Man, I tell you, the place would be packed out. Why? Because people in general put a commodity on physical, palpable, touchable riches that they can have. Listen, the Bible says that our faith is far more valuable than gold. That, that, that the trial of our faith, that would be that our faith would grow and that we would trust in God more because we've gone through this difficulty and that difficulty and this hardship and we look back over our life and we say, God has provided for me and God has taken care of me and God has done this for me and he's done that for me and, and, our, and we realize, wow, I'm not where I used to be in my Christian life. God has changed my life and my faith has grown in the Lord. I mentioned Job, and Job said this in Job 23.10. He said, but he knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried me. I shall come forth as gold. Job went through some very difficult trials. Lost all his kids. Lost a lot of his wealth. Lost all of his livestock. And, and, and the Bible is very clear that Job didn't sin. Job wasn't living a, a wicked, perverse life. He had done nothing wrong. But yet God was testing Job giving him trials and hardships. And you know what? His faith grew through it all. And God blessed Job greatly. He went through some deep trials. Listen, educate. Know that God is not against you. Know that God is growing your faith. I made the statement that uh, some of the godliest people uh, have experienced great hardship in their life. Think about these people. Uh, Israel uh, was pursued by Egypt. You remember when they, they left out of Egypt and, uh, and they were running for their lives? They had literally no soldiers. They had just come out of slavery. They had no weapons. And here is the Egyptian army, probably the strongest force in that day, pursuing after them. You talk about a great trial. Man, I, you're like, they're gone. We already read the story, so we know what took place. We know that they won. But if you're watching in real time, you're like, they're dead meat. There's no way. Egypt has them outnumbered. Egypt has them outgunned. And, and, and they're up against the Red Sea. 
there's nowhere for them to go. They're, they're dead. But what happened? God provided a great miracle and took care of the nation of Israel. What about, you could go on and on throughout the Bible. What about Daniel when he was thrown into the lion's den? Uh, you'd think, man, uh, why was he thrown into the lion's den? Well, because he, simply because he prayed. He had not done anything wrong. Prayed to God. You know what? Them, them, uh, uh, them jealous people uh, took Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And they thought, he's done. He's out of our hair. Little did they know that God would come shut the lion's mouths. Daniel, I, I just have to want, did he pet them? I mean, did he lay down and they come over and laid with him as kitty cat? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, their mouths were shut. They were not going to eat them. That is very clear. The Bible made it very clear. And, and perhaps Daniel slept that night. But I tell you what, he got up. And I tell you what, what a great trial of affliction. And I don't, I'm not, it is funny, but I don't mean to make light of it. But I'll tell you this, how would you like to have been thrown in a lion's den? Yikes. That would be a great trial of our faith. That would be something that would, uh, that would strain our faith. What about the three Hebrew boys that were thrown into the fiery furnace? And, and, and what did they do wrong? They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't bow to a false god. They remained standing and saying, hey, we're going to stand for God. We're not going to give in. And for that, they were bound and thrown into a fiery furnace. But yet they were, uh, they were kept alive, as you know. What about Elijah, who sat by the brook Cherith? And as he was sitting there, they were seeking for his life. He was hiding out. He couldn't go anywhere. There was no rain. And the the, the, the brook started to dry up and the ravens brought him food every single day and took care of him. It was the first Uber Eats right there. So how did all that happen? God. But it was a great trial of his faith. We tend to not, we, we're, like, we're like awed about the great miracles that took place. But look at the great trials they went through. Look at the great difficulty that they had to get through to get to that point. And yes, we read it after the fact. And we know, oh, God saved them and they were okay. But listen, that was a great trial of their faith. And they had to know God was they had to learn God was growing their faith. What about Fanny Crosby, who in her blindness wrote Amazing Grace. And in that song it says, I once was blind, but now I see. She was blind lady. God used her. You don't think that was a trial of her faith to live her life blind? What about Horatio Spafford, who lost his children and then penned the words to the song, it is well with my soul. And what I'm saying is it doesn't just have to be Bible times that these things take place. But even today, you may be going through a great trial. You may be going through a difficult place in your life. But can I tell you that God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament, the God of, of Fanny Grosby, the God of Horatio Spafford is still the same God today. And he's not dead. And he can help you. And he will grow your faith. The Bible says in Romans 8.28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. 
And it may not seem good as we're going through the difficulty. It did not seem good to Daniel as he was being thrown into the lion's den. It did not seem good to the three Hebrew children as they were being thrown into the fiery furnace. It did not seem good to Paul when he was shipwrecked, when he was stoned, when he was beaten and left for dead. It did not seem good to Elijah as he sat by the brook Cherith. But I can tell you this, that God worked it all out. And it did come together for good. And I can assure you this, their faith grew. He says in verse number three, knowing this, we need to educate ourselves that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Listen, that's still good today. Hey, there's there's no expiration on that clause. The trying of our faith will work patience. Look in verse number four. He says, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing verse number four i put enable let do you know god does not force his way into people's lives he did not create us as robots he did not say uh you do this and you do that that's by the way that's why calvinism doesn't work God didn't do that. God didn't select some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell. That's not how God... God created us with a free will and He wants us to choose to do right in our life. And we see here He says, let patience have her perfect work. Did you know that you uh, you can shut down and you can say, I'm done with this. I've seen a lot of people do that. Walk away from God. It's not worth it, they say. Too much trouble. And I, I, don't, I can't give you an answer for why people leave, but I can tell you this, the people that have gone through, their faith has grown. And God takes care of them. You say, well, I could name you this and this and this that didn't work out. You know what? In our eyes and in our minds, some things may not work out, but God turns around and uses it ultimately for his purpose. Uh, I'm thinking about the, uh, uh, the guy in South America that went to reach those, uh, that Indian tribe. And, uh, and as he went down, and down there, uh, the, the, that tribe killed him. Everyone would say, oh, see? Yeah, but that's not the end of the story. It doesn't stop there. That's where we think, well, look, it didn't, you don't, listen, that's not the end of it. The reality is his wife actually went back and a lot of those people got saved. That's the end of the story. We say, well, that's crazy. I'm saying this, God wants to use us for his will. And sometimes we shelter ourselves Do you know, if you never let your little baby walk because he would fall and scrape his knee, you would do a great disservice to your child. I can assure you, I can promise you, every person in this room who walks around today fell and scraped their knee more than once. It's, we learn through those things nobody is ever going to walk and be perfect at it the first time. Nobody's ever going to run and be perfect at it. Nobody's going to have perfect results in what they do. And what I'm saying is, the Bible says, but let 
patience have her perfect work. In other words, hey, don't shelter yourself. If you put yourself in a bubble, you'll, you'll never grow your faith. He says, let patience have her perfect work. God in his infinite wisdom lets his children go through some hard things, not because he's against us, because he knows it will help us. The Bible says there that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God grew Joseph for some 13 plus years in Egypt. Talk about hardships that he went through. His brothers hated him and unjustly sold him into slavery. In slavery, he was unjustly accused of things that he did not do and thrown in jail. While he was in jail, he was forgotten about and spent more time in jail, longer than what he should have done. He didn't even deserve to be there in the first place. And at the end, God brought him out and put him up as king, set him up as second in command, not king, but second in command in all of Egypt. God was moving things around. And Joseph, what would have happened? And I don't know, we could suppose all day. What would have happened if Joseph in jail said, I'm done. I'm tired of this. Man, I've done right, and I've done right, and I've done right, and here I am sitting in jail. What if he had given up? We don't know. We'll never know because the reality is he didn't. He grew. What about Moses was on the backside of a desert before God allowed him to lead the nation of Israel and great men of God are, are not grown in a bubble that never experienced God in their lives. And we need to let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire or complete and mature as a Christian. We have to allow it to run its course. We have to put our faith in God. Verse number five, he says, uh, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I put down for verse five and six, entreat God, ask, beg, plead of God for wisdom. Listen, if you can solve it, if the problem that you're in and the difficulty you're in is something that you can solve, then it doesn't require faith at all. And it's not going to grow your faith. But if the problem that you're in and the difficulty and the hardship that you're going through is beyond your control and beyond your ability to find out how can I fix this or how can I make this, and, and you're realizing, wow, I am in over my head, then... And only then can you turn to God and say, God, I know that I'm lacking. This is bigger than me. I can't solve it. I don't have the answers. And God, I realize that I need your help. And it draws us to God. And he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. Aren't you glad for that? He says, and upbraideth not. That means God's not going to turn to you and say, why on earth would you ask for wisdom? He's not going to chastise you. He's not going to belittle you because you're asking for wisdom. He, he invites you to come to him and says, hey, ask and I will give you wisdom. Hey, the reality of, of life is this, that if we would realize 
I'm incapable of running my own life. I need to go to God every day and ask for God's wisdom or life would be so much better. The problem is we think, well, I'm capable. I can do this. I've got the answers. And when you think that you're, you're uh, able to do everything, that's when we have a problem. We've got to turn to God. And he says, ask of God. And he says in verse 6, ask in faith. Don't say, ah, God, I think I need your help. God, I'm, maybe I need a little bit of your help. Wavering, saying, ah, why don't you give me a couple ideas and I'll decide if I'm going to go that way or not. That's wavering. Say, God, I need your help. I don't have an answer for this. And I want you to help me through this situation. And you know what he says? He'll do it. He'll do it. And we find that we will grow and our faith will be growing when we go through these difficulties in our life. Maybe you're not going through a difficulty right now. But I can assure you this, if you live long enough, you'll, you'll run into another one. They have a way of popping up. And the reality is, hey, they grow our faith. And we ought to grow closer to God as a result of the difficulties that we go through. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, growth through grief. Some of the godliest people have experienced great hardship in their life. And it's in those fires that their faith has been purified. And oh, how our faith needs to grow. And oh, how we need to grow closer to God in our faith. Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. I pray, Father, that you would encourage and strengthen each and every believer. God, maybe there's one that does not know you as their personal Savior here tonight. And maybe they can't say that you're for them or that they know that you're in control because they've never put their faith and trust in you. God, I pray that you would show them that their need for salvation. God, that they would put their faith and trust in you today and be saved today. God, I pray that you'd encourage each and every believer that's here. Help them, strengthen them. God, I know the difficulties sometimes seem overwhelming and, and can be difficult. But I pray, Father, that you'd encourage them, help them. Well, thank you for that. God, ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our piano begins to play, the altar's open. Maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe